I'm glad to be here. I think this is the second Sunday in a row that I've been in places where I've never spoke before. But I was here once when Sam Paul had his memorial service and shared a word. But I'm glad to be here. So we have a time to open up and receive from God and worship. And I come with a message. I don't care too much about sermons, but I like messages. And they don't come easy. Most of the time, this is my experience, when you have a message, it has to get in you first. And once it's in you, then it can be imparted rather than sermonized. I don't believe there was a man of God in the Bible that ever spoke out of the authority of God that didn't first get lined up with the message. And I have sought God on this one. I don't like to go to places and just get the same word wherever I go. I like to know the character of the church by the Spirit, what their need is, and then impart that in a word from God. And I believe God has laid this on my heart. All about First love. And uh, how and where do we lose it? And you know where I'm going, if you've studied the Bible at all. Over Revelations chapter 2. And beginning in the first verse, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things. He that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walked in the, in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you've tried uh, them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You're born, you've had patience for my name's sake, and has labored and has not fainted. If you stop there and analyze what this word to Ephesus is, you would say that would be the kind of church I would want to belong to. They seem to have everything right, but there is a conjunction that said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and will remove your lampstand out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the middle of the paradise of God. Father, I stand here before these people realizing, God, that I have a responsibility to you to give them what you want them to have. And Lord, I ask you to guide my mind, my lips, my heart. Father, my whole being is you would use me as a vessel Lord, as humbly 
as I feel right now, I ask you not to let one thing come out of my mouth that would not be ordered of you. Father, open hearts here today. You know the hungry. You know the desires of every person sitting in this building. Lord, I trust you that when we're all done for the time together, we can walk out of this building realizing that you spoke to us in a very real and applicable way. God, I love you. I know you love this people. And so, Lord, I speak out of your love for them that your will be done. Guide this body of believers. For the days ahead are going to be strongly in opposition to everything that stands up and becomes the house of God. And so, Lord, ready us in ways, Lord, that we cannot ready ourselves outside of obeying you. So I trust you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak directly and with an anointing that will break yokes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, first love, we often think of it in the category of when we first got saved. And that truly was a great time. When I was born again, I was 12 years old. I knew very little about God and was raised up in a Baptist church, taught good doctrine, heard the word quite regularly, and was forced most of the time up to that time to attend church. And my mother and father insisted that I be there. And through a old-time powerful preacher of the word of God, the Spirit of God gripped my heart at the age of 12, and I went running to the altar and got born again. I never was the same, even though it took me years to grow and develop, and to realize at the age of 16 that I was called to minister the Word. But at that point in time, I had a lot of fear about that. So I ran as fast as I could from the call of God, ran for about seven years, and then the Lord nailed me, brought me down in a very out-of-the-ordinary way, almost to the point where he said, if you don't obey, you're not going to live long. I thought it was a good idea to obey, amen? So time, it takes time to fall in love with Jesus. He loved us so we could love him, amen? You could not love God if he didn't first love you. The problem is that God loves us, but we don't always develop that relationship in our life to where we understand what it is to love God. We hear about him. We read about him. We study about him. But to fall in love with the one that loves us in the way he wants us to is another thing. It does not take the flesh to get you there. It takes the spirit of God. So on going experiences and relationships with God, there can come a point of a first love relationship. It's deeper than being saved. It's deeper than just shallow knowledge because knowledge often puffs up and makes proud people. Cause them to become quite arrogant with all the Bible knowledge they've got. And so in the days we're living in today, they're what we call false prophets. People who are spreading not good doctrine, but false doctrine. 
twisting the Bible to make it say what they wanted to say, having no real love for God, more for their own personal gain. So we see there is a problem when you look in 2 Corinthians. I believe there is a slight enlightenment on this. And there in that third chapter and verse 5 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, or the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. You can have the letter all memorized, but without the Spirit of God in it, it's dead letter. It makes a legalist out of you. Legalists are sometimes very mean, <laughs> because they want to put their law on you, and make disciples after themselves so they can glory in your flesh. But Paul said, there's an order to all of this. We learn and we come to Christ and we learn of him. He allows us that wonderful privilege and opportunity to learn who he really is. You can't love someone unless you know them. You may think you know them, but you live with them and you really begin to know them. Uh, when I married my wife, I thought I got the queen of all women. <laughs> but as time goes by, you begin to learn of one another. She learned of me and found out I wasn't the king of all. And I learned that she wasn't the queen of all, but love binds us together that no matter how it is, you will love one another through thick and thin because it is the first love experience that's gone on in your life. And it's deep. It'll make you die for one another. It will cause you to fight for one another. Lay your life down for one another. There's something about the first love that binds you so close to God's heart that you can't tell the difference between him and you because you take on the character of God. You take on the reflection, the image of the living God. This is truly a type of first love that the church ought to have continued in. But there's things that happen that causes us to lose the fervent first love. No matter how old we are or how young we are, I believe as you get older, you've got to become even more deeply involved in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, the command to love God is quite clear in the scriptures. When you look over in Matthew, in chapter 22, it says in Verse 36 of Matthew 22. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, Excuse me, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's clear there is a commandment to love God. You ought to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all that you are. How many of you love God like that? You know, <laughs> we got to be honest. To love God like that means total commitment. Anything he wants, he's got it. Anywhere he wants us to go, we'll go. 
whatever it is that involves our relationship with God. We are so in love with him that we can say, God, I'm yours. Your will is my will. As you work in my life, I will respond to you. I will not allow anything to come between you and I. We are inseparable. <laughs> you know how that is. He dwells in you and you in him. So obedience is just not the letter. Love is just not the letter, but the, the whole matter centers around a brokenness and a willingness to say, God, I'm yours. You bought me with the blood of Calvary. You took my place and actually put that old man to death at the cross because when you died, I died. When you rose up from the dead, I rose up in Christ and I am seated together with him in heavenly places. That's what the scripture says. But the problem is the intimacy isn't always continued that we become old. We become indifferent, set in our ways. And the reason that happens is we're continually molding our lives in the manner of our own reasonings and circumstances and situations. We don't stay singly God's vessel. We have allowed people to come into our lives that have no mind for God. They have no desire, have no love for God. We begin to get involved in relationships that pull our heart away from Him or conditions that constantly come at us, whether physical, financial, or spiritual. And soon they wear on us. No prayer, no more. Letting the word of God be hidden in our heart. We've allowed the enemy too much room. And he's driven us far from that first love relationship. It's a terrible thing. But the average church in America, this is exactly what's happened. Very few, and I'm not judgmental over the church, but I've been around a while. And I've watched people. I've felt their spirit. I've related to them, and some of them seem so far away that when you put your arm around them, it's like hugging this pole. There's absolutely no interrelationship of, of, of a release of the love of God towards you. And it's hard for you to release that kind to them because they've been hurt. They've been rejected. Something's went on that cooled them down, made them like ice to where the Holy Ghost isn't moving no more in the house. And the power of God in miracles and tremendous testimonies of the power of God is gone. We talk about our regular schedule, our regular problems, situations that we've allowed to become overwhelming. And God said, when your heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. You know, it's good to know him freshly. I believe Paul, when he addressed this letter to the Ephesians, over there in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 3, had the same thought in mind that this church of Ephesus slipped away from. You realize that the Ephesian church was the mother church of all the other churches of Revelations. Today, there is no record, or well, there's a record, but there's no more of the church of Ephesus. It's gone. It died. And I believe uh, Bible scholars have said that when you look at the seven churches, you're looking at seven periods of the age of the church. 
how it started, how it declined down to Laodicea, which said, you know, we're, we're well off. We, we don't have need of nothing. And here God is on the outside knocking on the door where once he was on the inside. Seven periods of time, but also there's that other church, the, um, uh, the Philadelphia church, thriving in the midst of all of that. I see that, that we have the evidence of that kind of a church today. But we also have the one that is very well content. Don't bother me. Don't disturb me. I'm well taken care of. I got a good job, which are gradually passing away. I'm doing pretty good. I got a good retirement, which is gradually falling apart. I've got a, a lot of assurance. I've got, you know, a good family, and I've got this, and I've got that. Just leave me alone. I don't want any prophet coming. I don't want any man of God telling me that I'm out of order, that I'm not in love with Jesus. And so that contentment is what you call very destructive because it leaves God out. Starts, you know, little by little as decline. But I want you to see this in this letter to Ephesians in verse 17 of chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Man, I'm telling you something. That is endurance. That rooted and grounded in love will make a fighter out of you. It will cause you to endure no matter what comes. You'll have the fire of God and the power of God. You'll be able to overcome whatever comes against you. You can cast down imaginations. You can rid yourself, as one was saying a while ago, our sin is removed. As far as the east is from the west, never, never to be remembered again. You can walk there. And Paul was saying, let it happen. You may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height. I got to thinking about this one day. I thought, how broad is it? You can't measure it. How long is it? You can't measure it. And all of the dimensions of love is incomprehensible by the carnal mind. But God can take you so deep you get lost in it. He can take you so high, you be translated. He can take you so broad until you love the nations. And he can lengthen it till it'll take you to the end of your days and beyond. I'm talking about God's love. You cannot just, you know, brush it off. That's, oh, that's okay for some. But I don't want to go that deep with God that I just lose myself. Well, then you'll never know the depth of this love. Because he said, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a lot of fullness. <laughs> And he wasn't just talking about one individual. He was talking about the whole church being filled with all the fullness of God. Man, when a church gets full of all the fullness of God, think of what the world is going to get. 
I mean, everywhere you go, there's God. We were out on the streets yesterday in Benton, Illinois. Uh, an amazing thing occurred. Four churches went to a man who needed church to come to him and help him build the house of God. We went out on the streets. We witnessed in Walmart. We went all, we had enough people that could spread out over the city. He could not have done that by himself. But together, people in love with God can do a work that one person will never get done. I don't care how powerful they are. I cannot get along and do what God wants me to do by myself. We need one another. We need corporate togetherness. We need people so in love with God that say, yeah, you need me, I'm coming. And uh, you have a member here. <laughs> he may not want me to call his name, but and I needed something done at my church house. I bought a little old church that had an old oil furnace in it. And when that thing fired up, the walls were smoky and it got so bad we couldn't even have church in the building. Now, one of your brethren here came while I was, I think I was out of the country, if I'm not mistaken, maybe in India or somewhere. But anyway, when I come home, he had that thing fixed up, a gas furnace in, pipe running up the chimney, and all of that. And whoa, I said, How much? <laughs> you don't owe me nothing. I said, now come on. <laughs> but you know we need one another. And when you love one another, you'll be there. You'll be able to offer yourself and say, I may not be much, but I can do something. So it's a matter of realizing we don't have a personal life, a private life. And everybody in America likes privacy. That I'm here to tell you the day is coming when a shakeup's going to happen in this nation. It's already, I mean, you, you don't have much privacy. You don't realize what people can see you do with all the technology we've got. They can look in your house without you knowing it. You ask some people that know something about technology and they'll tell you that's possible. So you really don't have privacy. And in the kingdom of God, you have body, the body of Christ, operating like a body ought to operate. Man, the gifts will operate. Prophecy will come. Interpretation will come. Healing will come. Deliverance will come. Lives will be changed. Because you're so in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. When you come together, you can't be quiet. You've got to respond. And do what God wants you to do. Of course, order. There's always order. But there's a Holy Spirit order that you can't substitute with the order of man. So he said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. That's big. That's grander. That's, I mean, more than you can describe with mortal tongue. When God gets in the house and everybody wants him, we were singing that song, We Welcome You, Lord Jesus. Well, that goes so far <laughs> until he touches something that's dear to your heart. Then you might not say, we welcome you, Lord Jesus, because it's going to touch something that is too dear for you to let go of until you're totally committed. Amen? So then, our loss 
is in disobedience. When you look in John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, we find in verse 9 of this 15th chapter, words from our Lord as a father hath loved me. So have I loved you. So continue or abide you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Not about happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings. But joy of the Lord is our strength. You can get joy in the worst conditions. I've been through some. And it always wasn't too easy to have the joy, but you know how you do. You pass through and joy comes. Weeping comes for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? My wife passed in, my first wife passed in 2008. I mean, we've been married for 50, almost 52 years. Had five sons and a bunch of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Man, that wasn't easy to handle. And there was some weeping. And the loss was terrible. But one night I was in a meeting and a prophet of God came and said, Son, you've been walking through the valley <laughs> of the shadow of death, but as of now, you're coming out of the valley, and the joy of the Lord hit me. And I'm telling you what, you know, I learned to dance in the Holy Ghost, and I started dancing and shouting, and, and I tell you what, the, the, the heaviness left. And not only did he say that, he said, you're going to four nations this year. And man, I went to four nations preaching the word of God. Joy of the Lord. He wants us to be obedient and joy will be the result. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be a friend of God. And he calls us friends. That's the best part of it. I thought, God, how could you ever call me a friend? Well, you're my friend because I give you the ability to obey me and to love me with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Don't ever lose that, son, because if you walk away from that, the friendship of the world is not mine. Don't be a friend of the world. Be my friend. People are so friendly with the world. They're nicer than God when it comes to the world's ways. And they bend. And they give in. Until they look more like the world than they do like Jesus. That's not what God wants for the church. He wants the church to look like him to be a, a very, he says, as I am, so are you in this world. That's what he's calling you for. So then, we look at this, you have a choice when you look in Deuteronomy, going back to the Old Testament a little bit, look over there in the book of Deuteronomy. In that 30th chapter, of the book of Deuteronomy and verse 19 and 20 
I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave to him. For he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swear to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to give them. God said that. He said, if you'll do this, you'll dwell in the land of your inheritance. You'll never have to leave it. But I want you to see some things. Because on down in, over in Joshua chapter 24, if you look over there just for a moment, and uh, here is where the problem begins in that 24th chapter of Joshua and verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now listen. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. America was established upon the principles of the Word of God. Our forefathers said he's the only God we'll serve. But we've been infiltrated by the gods of the nations. We've opened it wide. Thank God. Well, you might get mad at me for saying this. Thank God for a president that's saying we need to build walls. We need to keep the enemy out. We need to get the ones that are in out. Beloved, somebody's got to do something like that. I fear we've gone too far, but God just might be doing something. Now, our president would not make a good Sunday school teacher. But he is a fighter for freedom and for the welfare of this country. But I'm telling you something, it would never have gotten this way if we had not dropped the borders. If we had not kept things out. If we had not done what we've done with God and kicked him out of the country and kicked him out of the school and kicked him out of the church we would not be in the mess we are in right now. But beloved, these people said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. But I want you to look at Judges chapter 2, if you will. For here is how it happens. Judges 2 and verse 6. And when Joshua let the people go, the children went every man to his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gesh. But look at this 10 first. And also all that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. 
and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And served Balaam, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. Three generations. And he was out of the picture. We have a generation that has not known the ways of God like my daddy knew and that I've known and my children have known. But there's another generation who's cruel. They forsook the ways of God because they've never received any kind of instruction. You ask the average high school student about creation. They don't even know what it's about. They'll tell you some story about evolution or some other extreme explanation of how all these things got it. They don't know the foundation of the fathers. That's why we have corruption, rebellion. You can't even spank your child anymore without being turned in. All the discipline is gone. Everything that kept me where I needed to be that my father addressed me with can no longer be done to your children. And they can stand up and tell you, maybe not here, but in a lot of places, they can stand up and tell you where to get off. And I'm telling you something, they have no fear of the law, no fear of man, and no fear of anyone in authority. They don't like authority. So the church has opened up to that. And they don't like authority either. So they've thrown God out, substituted with a lot of wild music, a lot of false doctrine, a lot of emotionalism, and as long as you can keep the people coming, keep them happy. I mean, get it going. Get the party on. Get the programs. You've got to have more programs. If you're going to see the church grow, you've got to have more programs. You don't need the power of God. Well, I'm here to tell you they're going downhill quick. And church doors are shutting faster than you can count them. Because God is gone. And Ichabod is written over the door. And when the glory departs, it's over. It's done. <laughs> you might as well go join the Moose Club. Because that's about all you got without God. Amen. This is a time to really get fervent. I'm not here trying to scold you or or nothing like that. But God said, present this message. There's a, there's a spark, there's a fire in this church. I'm talking about having prayer meetings. Getting together and seeking God. Man, if you start that stuff, fire will break out on this hill. And all Hillsborough will know about it. Because revival has come. And revival brings fire, and fire gets attention. Man, I remember when I was a boy, you heard a fire truck, you'd go blazing down the road trying to see where the fire was. And that's the way it is in the house of God. When the church gets on fire, everybody comes to see it. Sinners get saved, people get healed. Every revival always has the fruit of souls. Being saved. Look in Jude. I'm going to close here in a moment. But over in that little bitty book of Jude. Towards the end of that one chapter. Uh, it says in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. 
looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Some have compassion making a difference. Others save with fear. Pull them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him that's able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Woo! <laughs> he said you can do it. Keep yourself. That means you've got to do something. Don't let go of the love of God. Stay in a place of steadfastness and strength. Have a prayer life that will keep you before God day and night. He said pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. I mean this is commandment. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what you see so many things change. Till it will alarm you. Hey, things are getting out of hand. That's good. <laughs> We've kept them in hand too long. You need to lose your grip and say, God, let it rip. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and be glorified. And I'm not talking about a stupid, silly mess that was going on for a while where people were Barking like dogs and mooing like cows and all of that stuff. That was a bunch of just phoniness. But there has been a real move of God going on in many places. You may not have heard it, but it's a rumble that's about to be heard. And beloved, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of it. I'm here to encourage you. Get ready. I mean, get, get ready. I mean, ready yourself. When John the Baptist came, he said, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And when they prepare the way, he come. And when we prepare the way, the prince and the power and the king of glory is going to come through. One more. First John. Chapter 4, if you will. Hallelujah. And in that fourth chapter and verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can I love God whom he had not seen? That's a that's a very simple thing. I was a witness at one time, and the guy said, yeah, I don't like you. I said, I said you, you ever, you know, ever had Christ coming out? Yeah, I got Christ. I said, then you got to love me because <laughs> he in me. <laughs> so we got to love one another. And he said, and this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, everyone that loveth him begat, loveth him that beget, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. How do you know I love you? Or how do I know you love me? Because you obey God. I don't want nobody playing games with me, do you? People say, I love you, but then later they're looking for some way to get at you behind your back, tear you up. Before your face, they're one thing, behind your back, they're another thing. That's not love. But when we love God, you're going to love some people that could rub you the wrong way. You know that? I mean, God didn't just tell you to love the nice people. 
You know, people in the church, <laughs> some of them rub you the wrong way, man. I've been in ministry for 60 years. I, I know how people do. They can be so nice and smiley and so just kind to you. But man, when you're not around, they make a mess of you. They stab you and do everything they can to, care, to crucify your character. And he said, you got to love them. You got to love them. When they come to you and say, forgive me, I got to say, I, I done did that before you ever come. I forgave you. I just didn't like it the way you did, but I did forgive you, and I still forgive you, and I walk in forgiveness. That's God. Even before you ask, he's provided redemption, covering of the blood. I mean, before the foundations of the world, can you imagine this? He already had you in his mind. He already conceived you in redemption before he ever got here. It was already took care of. He just had to do it. But it was done. I don't know you, I know a few of you here, but I want you to bow your head just for a moment. And Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, I see in them a hunger and a desire for more of you. And I pray over this congregation today that God, you will begin a work in them that will deepen their love for you, that will cause you to come in greater power and greater dimension right here in this outreach center. Lord, that it may truly become a Christian outreach to the nations as well as to this nation. Cause them to expand and realize their souls that need them to speak into their life the love of God in Jesus' name. You would stand to your feet for a moment. Anybody need prayer? Gladly stand with you and pray with you. Thank God for your attentiveness to an old man that just got a word from God. Hallelujah. I just feel the love of God for every one of you. I know he wants you just to give up. Some of you, some of you are right on the fence for some reason. You're wrestling with something. And God wants you to give up. Say, Lord, I surrender. If you're here and you need prayer, you need ministry, we gladly do that. As the worship team just plays a song, just obey the Lord. <laughs>